Well, good morning and uh, glad to see you. It is my hope this morning as we approach the topic that we're going to take on this morning that we will be found as were the five wise virgins who were watchful with their lamps filled and found ready with the extra oil to meet the bridegroom who was coming. It is our hope this morning that the fire of the Holy Spirit would reveal the need or the lack that were bound in the foolishness who weren't ready for the bridegroom. We have an opportunity this morning. We talked a lot about choice last week and the power we have in it. I don't do this very often, but I would encourage you, if you weren't here, to go to sundownfbc.com, click on Sunday morning sermons and listen to last week. I don't know exactly what was unique about it, but I do know that as I was preparing to stand up here, about five minutes before I started preaching, I was standing there and I came under an attack like I haven't had in years and years and years, physical attack. Normally when I stand up here, whatever's ailing me goes away. I mean, it knees, back, shoulders, head, whatever's going on with me physically it goes away as soon as I start talking. And I want to tell you, when I was sitting there, the pain started here. And within seconds, it was all the way around me like it was squeezing me in the middle. And I knew that there was something in that message Satan did not want delivered. I was determined. I wasn't even going to stop and let somebody pray for me. Because I know you would have. But I was not going to acknowledge that I was under attack. So I stood here last week in pain like I haven't had in a long time. I just wanted, and I finally did when we got to the music, I finally could just bend over because it was hurting so badly. If you saw me leave quickly last week, I went out the side doors and I went to my pickup. I sat down in my pickup and the pain was gone and I didn't have it again. Didn't have it that afternoon, didn't have it that night, hadn't had it since. So there's something in that message that I know that, that Satan did not want delivered. So I, and I would encourage anyone just to spot him to go listen. So we talked a lot about choice and the power we have in it and the realization that every one of us have the power that God has already established in us to change our lives drastically. I can choose to love the husband I'm wondering about. I can choose to forgive. I can choose to restore. I can choose to receive healing. I can choose so many things. And in that choice, my life will change drastically. And I wanted us to hear and to know that we have that kind of power. Turmoil, I can find peace and it doesn't have to come through a process. It comes by a decision that I make that God has established peace over me, established peace in me. And my story was designed to be one of peace, even if there's pain. I don't know what all was in the message, but I would encourage you to go. This morning, because God has placed this on my heart, we're going to talk about the building of a heavenly kingdom. And it is my hope that as we're listening to this, that God would find us ready like he did the five wise virgins who had done all that they needed to do, making themselves ready for a kingdom that was coming. And not be found like the five foolish ones. Who were there? They, these, we're talking about believers. The five foolish virgins were not lost. In the fact that they were called virgins, we know that they were believers. And that they were also waiting, that they also had lamps. They had oil and the oil was lit. It tells us all that, there, that these ten virgins had many things in common. The five wise ones just had oil in their vessel 
when the five foolish ones didn't. They were prepared. The Holy Spirit had made them ready. I pray that when we start talking about kingdom things, you will know that you are ready. That you won't wonder about it. Kingdom building is not a popular topic within the Christian world. As a matter of fact, I don't know the last time I heard a pastor on TV or anywhere else talk about the building of a kingdom. It's not a popular topic. It gets little attention among Christians today because we have been sold a lie and have somehow believed that the great urgency today is to build churches. That's a lie. There is no urgency in building churches. Churches are to be built based on one thing, and that's an act of obedience. That's it. And there's no urgency in building them. God knows when they need to be built. But even within the churches today, we have grown to the thought that I'm about this church and it's my responsibility to do something unique here so that this church will be built up. And I want to tell you, it's just not the truth. I can't find it in the scripture. We're not called to build churches. There is great urgency, however, in the teaching of building a kingdom. And the sad commentary in the Christian world today is that we have connected building churches with building kingdoms. Not the same thing. I can tell you immediately, building a church and building a kingdom are not the same thing. Building a church allows us, when we get this focus, when we start talking about building churches, think about this. If a facility was going to actually build a building, what is one of the first things that they do? They hire an architect. And they sit down with that architect and they begin to tell that architect what they would like to see in that building. What's happening already in that process? They begin to put into that building what they want in there. They want the shape, the colors, the design, how it's laid out, everything so that they can fit something that they want. I know there are exceptions to that. When Dale Kane was the pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in downtown Lubbock. He held on to a set of plans for years and years and years because he woke up in the middle of the night and God gave him the the drawing of Calvary Baptist Church as it sits on 82nd Street today. It was God-given. It was a vision revealed to him. He drew it, and that was their starting place. Churches today that we design and we build, programs and ministries according to those things that we see important, we gather our individual resources As if they belong to us and build institutions in our own image. Most churches are built in our image with what we prefer and what we like. Even the way the music is done, all of those kind of things. If we don't let the Holy Spirit guide us, church will be created in our image. The most dynamic thing about building a kingdom, what changes it immediately, is immediate recognition that you can't have a kingdom if you don't have a king. What begins to shift when you realize I've got a sovereign over me? Who am I very mindful at that point to try to please? I better be ready to recognize that there's a sovereign over me. And my objective now is not to please me. My objective is to please him. We can rest assured that if we begin by knowing we have a sovereign over us, we will be faithful to design what he wants instead of according to our own will. We have a sovereign over us. Every church in this community, every church in Leveland and in Lubbock has the same sovereign over them if we will recognize it. What will that one characteristic do? What will that one truth do? It will draw us together. 
He will never pit himself against himself. We're building a kingdom that's designed to look like him. We have a part in it, but that part is supposed to be lived out in cooperation and in unity with the rest of his body. Not against it. Not apart from it. And churches are so threatened because we kind of have me and we have mine in the reflections of the pastor and of the staff. And I want to tell you, the confessions of our story, the confessions of our testimony say we're far more fascinated with building our churches than we are with building his kingdom. By our mouth, we confess and we say without any reservation that God is our king. Every one of us would. We have been taught about it and we read about it. Psalm 44 verse 4, thou art my king, O God. Psalm 84 verse 2, my soul longs, yea, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even on altars. O Lord of hosts, my king and my God. We confess it. We read it. We are instructed, as were the early disciples, as you go preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's everywhere within this story. It didn't say in that passage, as you go preaching, saying, get busy, build churches. Put boxes around this story. Make sure you take care of your own. We are told to build a kingdom. We are taught by the words and by the instruction of Jesus. We are challenged to. So what is the great difficulty? Well, I want to tell you, it's an ancient problem. Since the sin of Adam, man's focus on others, which is where God placed it, was dynamically shifted to a focus on ourselves. Self now entered the picture. But we largely think that if I overcome self when I think of the work and the ministries of the church and give myself cooperatively to a collective work by a church, that I have somehow overcome this self in the building of a church. But get this, and some of you may be bothered by this. There is only one church. I don't have an opportunity to build another one. I build one. And that one church includes you and the church at Fairview and the churches of Leveland and the church across the street. It's one church. Our minds, our hearts have got to shift to that reality that we're in something so much bigger than just what happens right here. I love what happens here. I love coming together with you because this is the family that God has given us here. I'm not talking it's wrong to have many church buildings, but there is only one church. And if I commit myself and give myself to the building of a local church, I have not overcome self because self within the church will rise and we will be very determined to have a church that's unique and distinct. Every work advanced by self cannot be of God. So where do we start? What must we know first for this to change? Here's where it starts. The heavenly kingdom that we're talking about. This kingdom that needs to be built starts in the hearts of those who allow the Lord to sit on the throne of their lives. It starts when someone chooses to allow the king, the sovereign, to have a rule over their heart. He is, however, quite unusual as a king. He does not force his kingdom on you. He does not force himself over your heart. You are going to have to participate solely on a voluntary basis. 
He's given you that privilege and that responsibility to choose which king and which kingdom you will actually build. Because you don't have a choice. You're going to be building one or the other. Your choice is which one am I going to build. And he will not force you to build his kingdom. Every day is a voluntary work. Every day is a giving of my will to him so that I can live in obedience to what he has. Every day in kingdom life is a day of as a volunteer. He will not force himself. The second thing I need to know that for this to change is to believe that the kingdom is not about some future day. That's the typical picture. That the kingdom of God is, a, is something that is coming. Something that is sitting in our future. But what did Jesus say in his model prayer? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we miss and think that this kingdom talk, this kingdom revelation is about something that's going to happen someday, we will not recognize that he's called us individually into the building of a kingdom. My suspicion is because of the newness of this topic, that most of us would say, if I looked across the last year of my life, how much time have I committed actually under the reality that I'm building a kingdom? See, there's not much. Because most of our conversation is about going to church. Well, God has a place for each of us in kingdom building that is so much bigger than what happens at Sundown First Baptist Church. Man, we need that picture. And it's not just what happens when we send a team to Africa. It's not what happens when we send a team as we're going to uh, in July to Warris. It's not just that. Every piece of that is important. But the, the building of a kingdom is about right now. If we don't believe this, if that doesn't change in us, we will never eagerly participate in the building of this kingdom on the earth. We must be convinced, not a maybe, we must be convinced that God has a plan for our lives that is not to make us comfortable and wealthy. I want to tell you, when we get down to the root of things, for most of us, including me, that is a hard shift away from that thought. We must be convinced that God has a plan for our lives that is not to make us comfortable and wealthy. We should all suspect that his plan includes the unity and the provision to build a kingdom together. That his plan for me is a perfect match to his plan for Jimmy. For that plan to be a perfect match to the plan he has for Jolene and for Janice, for Joanne. Go down the line. His plan for me was designed to be a perfect match with you. And when we get it, then suddenly we can understand how he built the unity that he wanted to build in the, in the sharing of a kingdom. One truly evident way to tell which kingdom we're building. To me, this is that slice that makes it very clear. The empires that man make are all designed to be seen. What does that mean? There's not many empire builders who build those empires to be invisible. Well, most people who are building empires are building them so that they can be seen, so that their name can be attached to it. What happens in churches? How can we tell which kingdom is being built? Well, I want to tell you, and I'll be careful as I go here, because again, I will tell you anything, all of this can be an act of obedience. But if we start building a church, if we build churches, 
and it's not according to God's plan or his design, we will begin to hold it up and see, look what we have built. Because dynasties made by men were all designed to be seen. It could be a business that we're building, a reputation, a following, or a church. God's kingdom is largely invisible. And it's currently a spiritual one that used the building blocks of men and women and girls and boys as a very material of its construction. See, there was confusion about this even in Jesus' day. As the religious leaders who were quite wealthy, and they'd been doing that by taking it away from God's people, they asked him this question in Luke chapter 17, verse 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God comes with no observation. They wanted to know, when's the kingdom coming? And he says that the kingdom of God comes with no observation. Neither shall they say, lo, lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Oh, that gives me a clue. If I'm going to build a stronger kingdom, where am I going to build it? I'm going to build it in you. Wow. So I have an option each day. Am I going to tear you down and destroy this kingdom? Or am I going to encourage you and love you and forgive you and restore and help deliver and help tell truth that will build strength into this kingdom? He was assuring them that this is not yet a physical kingdom, which which is what they desperately wanted. But something unseen and something absolutely new. The basic material of this kingdom is simply the relationship that we have with Jesus through the Holy Spirit and the unity that he brings. When my sovereign is recognized, I'll also recognize my fellow citizens. If I don't know who the sovereign is, I won't recognize you as my fellow citizens. When I look at the church of Christ, if I don't know that there's a sovereign over us, I will somehow point to the difference. I won't point to the reality that they are fellow citizens. I'll look across denominations and I won't recognize. I'll look across Baptist churches and I won't recognize that I'm what I'm really looking at because of one sovereign is I'm looking at fellow citizens. And I should never look at them with antagonism or anger or frustration. I should never look at what we have as ours. It's his. It belongs to the sovereign. I want to tell you that's really risky for pastors to take on kingdom building. I know what to do to build a church. I build the walls and I can control everything. Well, as frightening as it might be as a pastor, I prefer to encourage you to build a kingdom. I trust that you will take care of this local church. I don't have to teach you that. I want our hearts to build a kingdom. I want us to love those folks that we talking about the loss. I'm talking about other Christians. If there is no evident king, there will be no unity. There will be no sacrifice for anyone else. Jesus is our great witness in this, in the business of kingdom building. Jesus came to do much more than just open the door for us to enter into the kingdom of God. He also called us into the into kingdom life. So it's not just I get to be saved so that I go to heaven someday. It's I'm saved so that I can enter into this kingdom life, in this kingdom building. The kingdom someday when I die is not to be my first introduction into that kingdom. I don't want the day that I die to be the first reality of the kingdom I ever experience. I want the kingdom now. The study I've been doing in Revelation 
has convinced me that it is the kingdom now, not later. Why do we talk about this? Because to Jesus, this was no small matter. We will live marginal lives as residents of religion or denominations. When his invitation calls me into his presence, into his throne room, into his kingdom, under his protection, under his grace, and offered all the benefits of being a son or daughter. If we don't choose kingdom life, we will be the residents of a church or a denomination and never experience what he intended. So imagine for a moment, grasp for a moment, that you get to live in God's house, in God's family, right here and right now. Our salvation, the receiving of the Holy Spirit and his provision, allows me to be in union with God as I forgive. It allows me to be forgiven. It allows me to be at peace. It allows me to live with power and authority. It allows me to live under his provision. It allows me to live with plenty. It allows me to live with great purpose. He calls out to his disciples, to his family, to his people. In Matthew 28, verse 18, he says, All authority in heaven is given unto me. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Every act of kindness builds the kingdom. Every message of love. Every good gift given builds his kingdom. Forgiveness, grace, mercy all build his kingdom. Why? Because with every one of those things, one of two things is happening. One is I'm building strength into the individual fiber from which the kingdom is built. Us. Or by that same action... I'm inviting someone who's outside the kingdom into the kingdom, telling truth, sharing our blessings. I know that Chris would never ask me to share this. He was in my office a few weeks ago with his dad, and we were talking about Cody Lewis, who's a good friend, a painter. He's worked a lot here, been to church here a few times. And we were talking about how much he had gotten behind in his work and how tired he was. And he just frustrated And I saw the moment that God hit Chris's heart. And for a few days, Chris laid down his work, pressing stuff, and went to work side by side with Cody. What's that about? It's building a kingdom. So much of the counseling I do, as a matter of fact, only about a fourth of the counseling I do is with people who attend church here. And you graciously pay me week by week to minister outside of these walls in a way that builds a kingdom. Every one of those things builds a kingdom. Every salvation, every anointed word, every act of deliverance builds his kingdom. Jesus was and is a kingdom builder. And he's calling his disciples, you and me, anyone who believes in Jesus, not to just sit on the sidelines, but to be as he was, made ready by his father to build a kingdom unto himself. It doesn't take a great work. It just takes a faithful one. He calls us to love one another. He allows us to first receive his love so that we can do it fully and completely. Why? Not to build a church, but to build a kingdom. What he's given us here is big enough to take the world. What he's given us in our hearts, the few of us that are here, there's enough love right here, enough kindness, enough grace, enough mercy, enough goodness to change the world and to build a kingdom. When we hear 
within the country and around the world, just how divisive we are. And we see Christians turn on Christians, believers against believers. Which kingdom are we building? What happens when we open our arms? When we set aside so many things that divide us, and with simple things, truly simple things, build strength in each other and watch the kingdom rise. He committed himself to it. He calls us to it if we call him king. Lord, thank you this morning. This has certainly been a message that has been on my heart for a while. It feels so much safer to think of money that comes in as our money for this church. Please, Lord, let it begin with me that I know that we're about building a kingdom that looks like you. I don't want any part of this to look like me. I want you to find my hands faithful in kingdom building. I want you to find my feet going to build a kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let us forgive the trespasses against us and receive the forgiveness of those who have trespassed against us. Let us receive the fullness. Let the world know the kingdom is being built. Today, largely invisible. Someday, on the throne in Jerusalem. Let us be found ready like the five wise virgins. Let us be found ready in Jesus' name.